you would turn with me in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6, we'll take a break this week. Uh, Heather had asked me for uh, the VBS week to preach on the same concept that they're about to get into on, on tomorrow night. So we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20. Hear the word of the Lord. Again, the Apostle Paul speaking, saying, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, You may be able to stand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication, To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Let's pray together. Father, we pray that the gospel would be preached boldly this day, that your people would be edified, that all of us would be encouraged, uh, Lord, by the power that is available to us in the Holy Spirit. We pray, uh, Lord, that we would be able to see our need for Christ, that we would be able to see our need for help in the spiritual realm. Lord, give us eyes to see. Give us a heart that receives your word this day, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So I think uh, a number of you know by now that for my 50th birthday, I, I got a motorcycle. Why in the world would I do such a thing? Well, I remember reading a book when I was in my early 20s by Chuck Swindoll. It's his fault. <laughs> on the back of this book, it was a book on laughter, I think, on Christian joy and laughter. And on the very back of the book, on the dust jacket, uh, was a picture of a 50-year-old Chuck Swindoll sitting on a Harley-Davidson with a big smile on his face. And so when my wife asked me what I wanted for my birthday, all of a sudden this image came into my head of this big smile on this 50-year-old guy's face. And so then I had a big smile on my face, and I said, this is what I want. And uh, I asked her permission to take a class to learn how to ride A motorcycle. And she said, yes, at first. (laughs) But this really isn't about uh, that conversation. But I was was thinking the other day um, about the gear that's needed to ride a motorcycle. It's very similar in many ways to the gear that a Roman soldier would use in battle. And and perhaps uh, everything I do immediately becomes a sermon illustration anyway, so I figured I would go ahead and but it's kind of strange because it's not often that I use an illustration to illustrate an illustration. But I'm going to, I'm going to attempt to do that today. And, and for this reason, uh, I think for the average child who is especially first introduced to the armor of God, um, 
it, it naturally appeals, I think, to their senses. It's sort of medieval knights and, and uh, you know, putting on this armor. And uh, you, Generally, VBS themes are great for the armor of God. I think many children's Sunday school classes cover this really well. Uh, even with uh, children's coloring books, you see them coloring in the armor of God. It's a great theme. But I think for the average adult, sometimes it, it's sort of stuck in time, if you will. We sometimes have a hard time actually applying the illustration. We get stuck in the illustration itself. So I thought, well, maybe if I used another illustration to illustrate the illustration, maybe by those two blendings together, uh, we could get a better application for this this week at least. So that's my attempt. And after this, I promise I will never talk about motorcycles for at least six months. So... With that being said, though, what I'd like to do is I'd like to talk about how do we actually apply this by first asking some of those other basic journalistic questions, beginning first with the who. Who is being told to wear this particular armor uh, in this passage? Then second, after the who, to talk about the why, why one actually needs to wear armor in the first place. And then third, we'll talk about the what, referring to each part of the Uh, armor that is needed to protect and aid a person in spiritual battle. Fourth, we'll talk about the when and where uh, this armor is needed. And then lastly, we'll talk about how one actually goes about wearing it. So let's begin with the who. Who is to wear the armor of God? Well, as you can imagine, prior to becoming a biker, which I am now, I identify as a biker, you you better respect my identity. I'm also a birder. I'm a birder and a biker now, so just so you know. Um, But anyway, um, prior to actually riding a motorcycle, I never felt the need to wear a motorcycle helmet. Kind of shocking, isn't it? I've been driving all these years, and I've never worn a helmet inside the car. Why? Well, it's not really needed most of the time. If I'm a decent driver, I don't need a helmet. It's sort of like that person... You know, the super safe person who's still wearing a COVID mask in the car when they're all by themselves? You can do it, but will it really help you? Probably not, right? Well, in in the same way, spiritually speaking, only a Christian is ever going to put on any aspect of the spiritual armor. Only a Christian will ever need this type of armor. If you're not a Christian, you will never put this on, and you won't feel the need to put it on, Primarily because of one reason. You're on the wrong side of the team. Someone who is an unbeliever is still a member of the domain of darkness. So in other words, they are a member of the kingdom of Satan rather than a kingdom of the sun, the kingdom of light. But the minute the rest of us who have come out of that darkness have changed teams, if you will, and are now a part of the kingdom of light, immediately we're going to be attacked by the enemy to try to reclaim us, if you will. And so there's a need for armor. There's a a sense that there's something that's not quite right and that we don't have uh, the immediate help in and of ourselves to face this particular challenge. So if I can accomplish anything with this sermon today, it would be this. You need spiritual armor because you're weak. Do I have to emphasize that more than once? I think the average person, in fact, it's a great, it, someone came up to me, great question last week when we were talking about being unequally yoked with unbelievers. 
And I said it's very dangerous as uh, an individual Christian to go and, and to spend a lot of time intimately with any other unbeliever. And, and so a couple of people came up and asked me, like, but we're strong in the Lord. Why, why should we be afraid of these other people if we, you know, he who is in us is greater than he who is in the world? And I get that 100%. But the problem is, in and of ourselves, we're not. It's only when we have the right armor on that we're stronger. But the problem is, naturally, this is not something we can do by ourselves. The very reason why we have to put armor on is because we're weak, because we're prone to sin, prone to wonder, prone to temptation. This is why we need the armor. So, so the, the very first important is to understand that any Christian who has now become a member of the kingdom of light, you're going to be attacked, you're weak, you need help, right? Makes sense. That's number one. Now let's talk about the why. Well, I sort of already expressed it. You're weak. You need armor to protect yourself. But for what purpose? He says in verse 11 that we might be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. And then finally in verse 13, having done all to stand firm. I mean, the, the, ultimately the goal is after the battle is done with, you're not laying on the ground spilling blood, right? That, that's sort of the uh, imagery that we're meant to receive from this. It's interesting when I, when I took the motorcycle class, for three days, three long, grueling days, the instructors tried to instill within us continually the fear of death. And they did a great job. I didn't want to ride a motorcycle after the third day. I was scared to death. And, and ultimately, he said, the one rule I want you to walk away from is this, knowing that every other person on the road is ultimately trying to kill you. And he said, it's not just the, the, the truck drivers, the semi-truck drivers, nothing like that. He said, he said, oftentimes, it's the person who's sitting right across the intersection from you, looking right at you, and doesn't see you, and then pulls right in front of you, and then hits you, and then has to explain to your family members, I never saw him. It happens very easily, right? But then it's interesting, he also said, I, I think he had a beef with mothers in minivans, particularly ones coming out of McDonald's, shoving fries in their faces and yelling at their kids, and then all of a sudden pulling out. I think he must have gotten hit five times by mothers in minivans. But knowing that at any time, it could be anybody. It's not just the ones that you would expect. And I think spiritually speaking, again, the idea is that when, why do we need to put on this armor is because we just don't know where the attack is going to come from. Most of us think of spiritual battle, spiritual war, sort of like in another realm, right? Like it's, it's some other issue that's not dealt with in the rest of Ephesians or the rest of the book. But I, I pointed out to uh, probably this church a number of times that there's a reason why this passage is, is where it's located in Ephesians, in Ephesians chapter 6. It's right after the household rules in relationship to husbands and wives, children and parents, masters and slaves, and all these things. It's not that now we're changing the subject and now we're on a totally different matter, but rather he's saying as you're at home, as you're at school, as you're at work, as you're at all these normal places, even at church, you should expect spiritual attacks coming from any direction. You should always expect this to happen because the devil will use it in many different ways. And, and because of that, we also have to remember the devil doesn't tend to reveal himself. He doesn't come out and, and scare you like in a horror film and all of a sudden you're being chased by demons. That's not how it works. Spiritual warfare works primarily through deception. He uses schemes, tactics. And the schemes that he primarily uses is to work through ordinary people, even you and me. 
Remember, it's uh, Jesus is confronting Peter, and Peter says, you know, uh, may it never be, may you never go to Jerusalem and die on the cross. And what does Jesus say to him? Get behind me, Satan, right? It's amazing how quickly Satan can work through us even as believers, but he can certainly work through other people as well. But that's why he focuses so much on this passage. He your, your warfare is not against flesh and blood. Satan can attack you through flesh and blood, but ultimately the battle is won in the spiritual realm. But that spiritual realm happens in our physical realm as well. It's a, it's a, it's a both and. So we have to be ready for an attack coming at us from any particular place. And so the devil, not attacking us directly, but in these other ways, he's always seeking in one way or another not to scare us, but rather to make us feel guilty after we've lost our temper. To tempt us towards some selfish desire, some greedy desire, some lustful desire, or just to simply to doubt God's love and care for us in the midst of difficult circumstances. When we're already having a bad day, boom, there's another attack. Satan just made us consider nothing of heavenly things, but rather only to blame God for all of our bad situations. These things happen all the time. And so we have to understand the why we need to put on this armor because an attack can come at any time. Now let's consider the what. When it comes to motorcycle gear, it's rather obvious that uh, people ought to wear a helmet, but surprisingly many people do not. Just a few weeks ago, in fact, um, I, uh, the day that I went to go look to get a motorcycle, the, the guy that I was talking to was sharing that a friend of his in Fenton had died that week on a motorcycle. He's coming around the corner, and he hit a pothole, and flew from his bike, and he didn't have a helmet on, died. Here, in this town. I'm like, well, I definitely should not buy a bike now. I mean, it scares the mess out of you. It really does. But he he wasn't wearing a helmet. So obviously, you you would think that that would be, there's a reason why they call it a helmet of salvation, right? You can either be saved by it or not in that regard. Well, again, in in motorcycle lingo here, at least, uh, 60% of all accidents actually occur uh, that inflict damage upon the lower leg or the hands because those are the places you're trying to brace yourself from a fall or you get caught under your bike or what have you. Again, most people don't wear any type of boots and they don't put on any type of gloves and they're just driving around and you're thinking, you don't have the gear that you need. You're not protecting yourself, right? Same thing goes for those you know, jackets and pants. I'm wearing a jacket every day in the summer now. I don't know what's wrong with me, but it's hot. But I'm doing it because I know that it's supposed to protect me, at least. I had no idea why most motorcycle people always wore leather. I always thought it was some sort of fashion statement. They do it because it's, it's a more durable garment than just about anything else you can buy. So even those weird leather pants that they wear, I'm like, really? I'm not going to wear leather pants, in case you're wondering. <laughs> not going to happen. But now they even make them. So I went to a leather shop the other day just to look. But they put armor inside the jackets with Kevlar sewn into it to protect you even more. So I'm thinking, okay, I need to save up because these things are not cheap. But it could save you. All sorts of things. Why would you not put this type of thing on? But again, you see people not wearing most of these things when they're riding down the street. I, when, I, when I've been to Indonesia, I've told you about that before, but you go to any Latin American country, Colombia, whatever else, you, you literally see everybody wearing motor, driving motorcycles. And no one's wearing any gear. Everyone is in flip-flops, a t-shirt, and shorts, and usually they have four people on the same bike. (laughs) One's carrying a baby in their arms. 
sideways. And you're like, this is going to end well. So, I mean, it's not that you absolutely need uh, the armor in order to live, if you will. But it certainly would be wise, would it not? You're, you're, just, you're, you're inviting danger at all costs. Verse 11, the Apostle Paul says this. He says, put on the whole armor of God so that you would be able to stand when the attack comes. The whole armor of God. Uh, in Charles Wesley's hymn, Soldiers of Christ Arise, we're going to sing it after the sermon today. He used a word that you may not be as familiar with, the word panoply. And the word panoply comes directly from the Greek that's used in this text. It basically means all armor or fully armored. Put on every piece. Why? Because if you don't put on every piece of armor, where do you think Satan's going to attack first? He's going to attack you at the very place that you're not wearing it, right? That's where you're going to get hurt. So you have to put it all on. And since it's spiritual armor rather than physical armor, notice that this armor is protecting some aspect of your spiritual life, right? Uh, look, look, look at some of the examples. The belt of truth Paul speaks of first. Why put on the belt of truth? Because the devil often attacks us through his lies, right? How did Adam and Eve fall in the Garden of Eden? Through a little fudging of the truth. They didn't know the truth well enough. They didn't buy into it well enough. And as a result, they're led astray. Secondly, we look at the breastplate of righteousness. Again, this isn't referring to our own righteousness, but rather to the righteousness of Christ. Uh, listen to what John says, 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. He says, My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. He says, But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. We have to know our standing in Christ in our unity with him in his righteousness so that we know that we stand as righteous before God. Why? Because when Satan comes, what's the first thing he says? You're a horrible sinner. You deserve condemnation. When you understand the righteousness of Christ, you can, you can withstand the devil's attacks. That's what he loves to do. So he, he, his, his MO again and again is he tempts and then he accuses. He tempts and then he accuses. You fall, he immediately says, see, told you. Where do you stand? You have to know that you have the righteousness of Christ in your heart, around your chest. You have to know your security in Christ. Over and over again, all of these illustrations are pointing us back to this same gospel truth. We talk about the gospel shoes, if you will, being, being, uh, <clears throat> being ready at all times with the gospel of peace, he says. Certainly, this can be used in a, an attack manner, if you will, in a positive sense of uh, you know, we're, we're giving the gospel to others. We're ready to give them the gospel. But I don't think that's what he means in this particular case. But rather, we have to know that when Satan comes attacking us, that we have the blessing of God, we have his peace, we have his favor, we have his grace. Because again, what is the devil going to do? He's going to try to say, you don't have these things. He doesn't care for you. He doesn't love you. And so you might as well go and, and sin till your heart's content. Let's just walk away from God altogether. You have to know you're standing before God. Same way, the shield of faith. Again, we're, 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 we're continually putting our faith not in ourselves because we know we're weak. We're putting our faith instead in Jesus, who is strong. We're, we're, we're not trusting our own strength. We're not trusting our own wisdom. We're not trusting our own our love, our own power, but we're trusting in Christ. And so when Satan comes and begins to shoot at us with his flaming darts, we have to know, where's my strength going to be? Where's my power coming from? 
How am I going to defend myself? It's all going to come from God. So, in, in fact, if you put it this way, the, the, probably the easiest way to remember is this. When it says to put on the full armor of God, what is he saying? He's saying put on someone else's armor. It's not your armor. It's God's armor. That's where your strength comes from, in your relationship with Christ, with God. In fact, that's the passage that Mark read earlier in Isaiah 59. If you remember in that passage, the Lord is bemoaning the fact that he cannot find a single righteous person living in Israel at the time. Not a single person who's willing to tell the truth. Not a single person who's willing to stand up for justice. No one. And so what does it say? It says the Lord himself will put on his own breastplate of righteousness and do those things that no one else is willing to do. He's going to put on the belt of truth. He's going to speak the truth. He's going to carry the armor and, and do what these other men are not willing to do. And so what Paul is saying here, he's using the same illustration from the Old Testament. Paul is saying it's not your armor. Put on God's armor. It's his righteousness. It's his truth. It's his strength. It's his power. Put on these things, and you'll be able to fight. You'll be able to stand. If you try to do it in your own strength, you can't. So again, if, if you got nothing out of this sermon today other than this, it's simply you cannot live the Christian life in your own strength. You need to be right with God. When you're right with God, you're ready for Satan's attacks. Of course, there are times in which we're suddenly cut off guard. You know, whether you're thrown from your bike or whether you've just been attacked by Satan head on, you need to have that helmet of salvation, right? You need to know that you're saved. You need to have the assurance of salvation. If you don't have that assurance, Satan can easily wipe you out. You need to know, where do I stand with the Lord today? It's very, very important. You know, when you come, the reason why we have what's called the means of grace as well as the means of assurance, we go back to God's Word, we go back to prayer, we go back to the fellowship of the church that we might know I'm saved because of what Christ has done for me. If I don't know that, I'm going to be an easy victim to the devil every single time. I need to know whose I am, and I need to know where I stand with him. And then it also talks about the sword of the Spirit as well, uh, which, again, can be used offensively. And I know that many people come up afterwards and say, that's an offensive weapon, that's not a defensive weapon. And it certainly is used offensively. But in, in the case of the devil, you're not looking to go fight the devil, right? You're using it defensively when he attacks you as well. Uh, you're, you're ready with the Word of God. Think of it this way. When, when Jesus goes into the wilderness, the Holy Spirit leads him into the wilderness, does he go up to Satan and say, let's, let's fight. Bring it on. Is that what he says? No. He's, he's meditating. He's fasting. He's doing this thing. Who brings up the confrontation? The devil does. And when he does, how does Jesus defend himself? He picks up the sword. And he immediately gives the word of God back to Satan. Every single time Satan says something to him, he uses the sword of the Spirit to defend himself against Satan's attacks. Over and over again, he's defending himself. All right, so the motorcycle illustration doesn't always follow. Now, on a motorcycle, you really don't have any offensive weapons that I'm aware of, at least not in normal sense. But uh, I was thinking the other day, the best you got is the horn. And no one can hear it. I literally had to pass two guys who were blowing grass into uh, the yard from the street on my way home, and neither one, I blew the horn five times, nobody could hear me, it's pretty sad. So I purchased a semi-truck horn to put on my motorcycle, 
It's 120 decibels. It comes tomorrow, I think. So when anybody in the intersection tries to pull out in front of me, they will think twice. Because I'm going to be offensive with my horn. Get out of my way so that I don't get killed, right? In the same way, spiritually speaking, we have to offend only through the Word of God. If we don't have something strong enough to withstand Satan's attacks, it'll never work. If we try, for instance, to use our own words and our own wisdom against Satan, will it work? No. No one, he's not even going to hear it. You have to have something stronger than that. The Word of God is active and living, powerful. It can defend you against Satan's attacks, but you have to use it. Again, if I were just simp- uh, let me simplify it. Sometimes it helps to get out of the illustrations altogether. What is he saying that we need? If you take away all the, the trappings of the illustration itself, he says we need the truth. We need the righteousness of Christ. We need the peace of God. We need that faith in Jesus Christ. We need the assurance of salvation. We need to know the power of God in His Word and to know how to use it well. And if we have these things, we'll be able to stand up against the attacks of the devil. And at least to be able to stand, if for some reason he does knock us down, we can get back up again. We'll be able to stand the enemy. But we have to have these things, right? And that leads us to the fourth one. When and where do we actually put on this armor? Verse 13, Paul says that we are to wear this armor that we might withstand in the evil day or in the day of attack, if you will. How do you know if it's going to be an evil day? Do you even know when it's going to rain? <laughs> you get the forecast, you hear it. I, I had an umbrella all day the other day. didn't rain a single drop. But now that I'm riding a motorcycle, if it starts to rain, I, I don't want to ride the thing because I don't know what I'm doing. You have to be ready, right? You have to be ready at all times. And in this particular case, he's saying you need to be ready. Literally, verse 60 says, in all circumstances, put on this armor. Not just when the day of evil comes, because by the time the day of evil comes, it's too late, right? Once you're being attacked, it's too late to put on the armor. You're not ready, and you're going to quickly get trampled by the enemy. So the other day I did, I left quickly for work. I jumped on the motorcycle and it dawned upon me as I was driving down the road that I just had my short sleeve shirt on. I didn't have a jacket on. I didn't have anything on. And, and I thought to myself, well, it's a short trip, and I know where I'm going, and blah, blah, blah. But then all of a sudden the instructor, you're going to die. So I, I turn around, and I put the jacket on, and I go back, and I'm sweating again and doing my thing. Um, but it's, I, did, I don't know what might happen. He said the one time he didn't put on his gear, that's when he fell, and then he got some road rash going just 20 miles an hour. He says, you'd be surprised how much your skin can be shredded going 20 miles an hour. He says, you will never forget your gear ever again. But you just don't know. A little sweat's a lot better than a lot of blood. Well, in the same way, you just don't know, spiritually speaking, if you're not putting on the armor of God, you just don't know the amount of consequences it's going to cause and how much ruin and devastation it will lead to in your life if you're not right with God. So easily these things happen. And so, just as the, the motorcycle instructor would tell us, you need to practice braking and sudden stops and swerving out of traffic if someone you know, tries to hit you in some way. In the same way, Paul is saying to us always, not just be watching, but be praying against this temptation. Be ready for the temptation when it comes, right? 
What, 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 is, what does Jesus teach us in the Lord's Prayer? Right? We're supposed to pray, lead us not into temptation, but what? Deliver us from evil. But honestly, how many people really pray that every day? I mean, every day? He's saying, be prepared for this every single day. The circumstances, at all times, be ready at all times for this. There's a reason why the Lord's Prayer is so awesome. There's a reason why He gives it to us, because these are the types of petitions He's saying, you ought to be praying these things all the time. It's not just to humor us. It's not just that we can have a pretty prayer that we can pray. It's because these are the things that are important. We need to learn how to pray the way the Lord teaches us to pray. Same way, just as the uh, motorcycle instructor would tell us we're supposed to check the bike every time you, before you get on it. You're supposed to check the tires and the brakes and, and the, the chain. He's, he goes, every one of those things, if one of those things goes while you're driving, immediately you're going to get an accident. It's not like a car where you just like, well, slow down and get off the road. No, you break your chain, you can go flying off your bike. Real easy. What does David do, Psalm 139, when he prays? He says, he's, he's asking the Lord to inspect his vessel. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me. Why is he praying this? He knows his weakness. He knows his own ignorance and foolishness, and he's looking for God. Show me where I'm weak so that I know how to pray for these things. I know how to prepare myself for these things for when the devil comes knocking. I need to be ready. If not, then I'm not going to get anywhere. So that brings us to the final point. How do we actually put on the spiritual armor of God? funny. Um, I, th- I think this will be the last motorcycle illustration because you're tired of motorcycle illustrations. But when I first got the bike, it was the first time I ever rode the bike on a road. To get certified, you never get out of the parking lot. So you're never going more than 20 miles an hour. So when I got the bike, I immediately had to get on Dixie Highway. And everybody's going 60. And so I had never been on a road. So I asked the person if I could just drive around the parking lot many, many times, pull up to the edge of the highway. I pray, Lord, save my life. And then I start going as fast as I can so that the person behind me doesn't hit me. And I, as I do that, everything seemed swimmingly. But then all of a sudden it dawned upon me out of the corner of my eye, I could just see something flapping in the wind, and I turn my head, and then it starts hitting me in the face. It's my chin strap. I never bothered to buckle the chin strap does no good if you're not actually wearing it properly. Your helmet's just going to fly right off. I mean, that's just a pretty idiotic thing to do, right? You would think that that's important. In many ways, when we're called to put on this spiritual armor, if we're not putting it on properly, if, we're not, if we don't know how to put it on, it's not going to do us any good whatsoever. So again, it's an illustration, but how do we actually apply it? What do we, what do we actually do with it? It's very important with any type of equipment that we know how to use it. And the most important thing I can, I can tell you is simply this. Again, you're not going to look for a fight. You're only using it defensively, primarily, for when the day of evil comes. Um, we have to know that we're weak, and we have to know where our strength comes from. And so here's what I want to point out to you. There, there's a passage in Romans 13 where Paul uses another illustration of the armor of God. 
doesn't go through all the pieces like he does in, in Ephesians. But there he tells us, put on the armor of light, he says, in order to cast off the works of darkness. But then two verses later, he says this, put on the Lord Jesus in order that we might make no provision for the flesh to gratify its evil desires. Now, notice he's not giving you two separate commands here. He's just saying it two different ways. When he says, put on the armor of God, what is he saying? He's saying, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. It all comes back to your relationship with Christ. It's not a matter of just like, okay, if if I do this, do this, and do this, I'm safe. No, it's if I know Jesus, I'm safe. If I continue to put Jesus on as I'm taking off my sinful garments, I'm putting on Jesus. It all comes down to that relationship with Christ. If I'm not doing that, I can be doing a lot of good things, but I'm not protecting myself. It's all going to come down through my relationship with Jesus Christ. Um, And there are a lot of different ways that we try to do it wrongly. We we have a lot of fake ways of pretending to have a right relationship with Christ. Uh, Again, we can all look good on the outside, but it means absolutely nothing. So I told you that I went back to put on that jacket so that I wouldn't get hurt because I had this jacket in my closet that I thought was a leather jacket that I bought for 20 bucks years ago. And it's kind of small on me, but whatever. I looked it up. It's not leather. It's polyurethane. So in other words, faux leather. And so I looked it up online. I was like, how well does faux leather do compared to leather? Well, real simple. Leather protects you from all sorts of cuts and abrasions and bruises and blah, blah, blah. Faux leather, it rips to shred the second it touches asphalt. So I really didn't need that jacket after all because it was kind of pointless. But there's so many ways we put on some fake armor, if you will. We think that we're safe because we've done this, this, or this. We think we're safe because maybe we went to church, maybe we went to Sunday school, but we're not really trusting Christ. The armor is only effective if your strength comes from Christ and your relationship with Christ. That's his whole point with this. And, and the reason why I even use the motorcycle, next time I won't do it, but the reason why I did it is to show you it's just an illustration. Sometimes we lose sight of the truth behind the illustration because we love the illustration so much. It's a great illustration, but if we don't get the point behind it, I need to find my strength in someone else. My strength cannot come from within. It can only come from my relationship with Christ. If you don't know Christ and you're trying to live a Christian life, you're not going to get anywhere at all. You have to know Christ. And so that, that, that's, that's Paul's point. That's the point I want to leave you with today. You know, if you're not a Christian, again, you're just doing what the devil wants you to do anyway. If you are a Christian, but you've never really learned how to grow up in your faith, you, you're just going to constantly fall over and over and over again. It's only going to come through your regular use of the means of grace. You're going to the Word, you're going to prayer, but you're learning from these things, even from the fellowship of the church. You're learning to know and love Christ. If you don't feel like that, that's something that you've caught on to, come talk to me afterwards. Come talk to one of the elders here. They are happy to assist you to help you to come know Christ better. When you know Christ, that's when you're strong. You're not strong just because you made a profession of faith. You're strong from that intimate, close relationship with Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Father, we do ask that you would help us 
we are weak, we are foolish, we naturally think that we have some level of control over our lives. We really have none. We know that at any moment the circumstances can change, at any moment bad things happen, the evil day has arrived, we're not ready. And, and we're not ready simply because we're, we're not right with you. We pray, Father, that you continue to show us our need for Christ, not just when we first profess his name, but every day of our life we need to know and to trust and to rest in the salvation that we have in Christ, in the power that's available to us through the Spirit of Christ as we continue to seek to live the godly life we know, even as we seek to to, to tear down the, the, the gates of hell through the preaching of the gospel, we know that we ourselves are still weak. Lord, help us to find our strength in Christ. We pray in Jesus.